1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. This is RCST on KLWN, and uh, it's going to be another fun show today. It is the official start. Of the NCAA tournament, playing games. I know it doesn't really. Do you count that? Do you count that yeah. as a start? I to me, I technically count it, count it as Thursday, but it's like the little. Uh, it's like the it's like you, the appetizer. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's a full appetizer though. Okay. I think it's, it's the like free uh... bread you get. Okay, it's the free bread, right? Well, it's not quite. Appetizer? Is is it bread an appetizer? Well, what? I mean, yeah. Sometimes you go in and maybe order like I don't know, toasted ravioli or mozzarella sticks or something, right? Depending so you're telling me it's not
2: that it's not as good as that.
0: This, no, but the, the bread is free. It's not something you order. That's what tonight is. It's like I don't necessarily need this, but I might indulge in it. You know, I want to make sure I leave enough room for the main meal. Uh, I'm not going to get basketballed out, but I, I, I'm interested enough. You know, spread okay. a little butter on there, right? Okay. So that's what that's what tonight is. I, I think today is also. Uh, like bracket, either changing, depending how you want to put There's like overthinking, rethinking, yeah. changing, like alterations. That's what today is. Because Sunday, the, the bracket comes out. You make your bracket. You, you just first gut, you, you go through it, whatever. Yep. Monday is the day that you talk to everybody you know about why you picked what and who you picked here and why you think this team's going to make a run. Yeah. Tuesday is the day you start overthinking yourself. And you, you go, oh, but I actually, you know, I'm going to change it. That team's done. Have going you changed there. any of your picks today? I have, yes. Really? A couple. I, I try Damn. to avoid this, and, and some people are better at this than than others. Some people are better about just being like, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving it, right? That's how I am. For the most part. I make part, a bracket. I'm yeah. Done. See, for the most part, I do that, but I made a couple slight alterations. Because, dude, there is nothing, I mean, I'm serious, nothing yeah. more frustrating ever in oh, the history of mankind huh?
2: than picking a bracket. <laughs> then going back on like Wednesday night or Thursday morning and changing one of the Thursday games mm-hmm. changing
0: your pick and then the other team wins yes now it's to be like, clear it's like it's it's terrible when i make alterations i i don't change anything about like who i have going deep in the tournament That, to me, is like, you definitely don't want to do that. The only thing I'll twist is like, you know, I kind of thought Iowa was going to beat Auburn. Now I'm kind of leaning, like, maybe Auburn's going to be, like, it'll be something small like that where then I'll have them losing in the second round, so it's not, like, as big of a deal. But you're 100% right. I am guaranteed that that will come back to bite me, and it always feels worse when that does happen. Exactly. That's why it's better if you just leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, The University of Kansas Jayhawks are the Big 12 champion, and home field apparel is celebrating with some all-new gear. For KU alumni and fans of all ages, head to homefieldapparel.com, or you're going to want to give a download to the new Homefield Apparel app. Makes uh, shopping for your favorite team, or you know, if you're you're interested in just any team, uh, a lot easier. They actually have these like mystery boxes where you can just get sent like mystery stuff for uh, cheaper deals if you're just into maybe some of the smaller schools or having some cool gear but you can check out some of the Kansas stuff as well they've got the circus font basketball hoodie they've got the 1988 championship shirt although that has uh, been sold out they've got a vintage another Kansas hoodie Um, how about this Nick The joggers are back in stock. Really? The joggers are back in stock to get them before they go out of stock. Very popular. They were just out of stock. They have quarter zips on there. They have other sweaters. They have other t-shirts from football to a national championship shirt from last year to all sorts of other cool past and current logo versions for ku a lot of great stuff over with home field apparel and you can get 15 percent off with code rock chalk 23 that's rock chalk 23 uh recommend sizing up it's comfy gear it looks really cool these items are available for a limited time only they're selling out so use that 15 percent off fast with code rock chalk 23 so I wanted to get into today, like, positives and negatives for KU headed into the NCAA tournament. Do you want to get the bad stuff out of the way first? The negatives? Uh, sure. sure. All right. Negatives first. Um, so the negatives for me as we head into the tournament, one, this is just a very, very difficult region. Two, you, you don't have the Kansas City part of it if you make the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight where you have so many fans, like, You'll, you'll still have good fan attendance because KU fans travel so well, but now it'll be more split up with some of the West Coast teams that could be out there in in the region. I also think if we're looking at negatives as they make this tournament run, we've seen, I I guess, the, the strategy for success for KU is at least four of the starters for KU playing well. And... Obviously, the, the yeah. status of Kevin McCuller and Bill Self would would lump up in these negatives as well, not totally knowing what that's going to be. Uh, but I guess, what is your confidence that the four of those five starters are going to play well consistently for, let's not not even say six games to win the title, just four games to make it to uh, the final four? Are you confident that it's going to happen each and every game?
2: I feel very confident in Jalen. Okay. I feel very confident in DeWan. I feel confident in... In Grady for, like, a couple games. But I also am pretty confident that he's going to have a bad game. So, I guess you just hope that his bad game doesn't coincide with, like, somebody (laughs) else having a bad game or it's against Howard. (laughs) And then, KJ has been pretty consistent.
0: Uh, So, I feel pretty... Yeah, I feel pretty good that he's going to be the like, a four-game sample, he gets in foul trouble in at least one of them. Yeah, I mean, two, obviously right? that's the issue. Yeah, we talked about yeah. it yesterday.
2: Like, the issue with KJ is foul trouble. And then the status of Kevin being somewhat unknown is concerning. But assuming he is fine, then I feel good that he will play at a pretty high level. Yes. So, boom, there you go. Three out of five. Yeah, Three Yeah, and I, a half out of five.
0: I, I feel good. You could tell me that to get through the, the West to make the final four that Jalen played well in all four games. Like maybe okay. varying degrees of one game's a little less efficient, he shoots thirty nine percent, another he yes. shoots forty five, right? But if
2: he averages twenty and ten wouldn't shock you. Which is what he's averaged for this course of the season.
0: No. That's that's good. Yeah. That's good. So that, that that that's there. With DeWan, I expect the four straight games, though we have seen the occasional not as good game, and, and the thing with me for Dewan is I expect four good games. But will it be aggressive him being able to score in all four games? That I'm not totally sure of. And when he's not scoring, it is a much different team. So can you get that for four straight games? That I don't know. Kevin, how is he going to play over four games? We just don't know because of the back above everything else. Yeah. Um, And it's not just like what his availability will be, but when he does get back into play, what are the chances he could tweak it again and and go back to being injured? Those are all questions. With KJ, there is inconsistency because of that foul trouble where you expect over four games, one or two of them could be foul trouble. But what if KJ just turns into January KJ? Yeah, sure. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Yeah, but I think the point here for me is that There have been enough inconsistencies with everybody throughout the lineup, maybe except for Jalen. and Even then, there was that six or seven-game stretch where we put up 12. We don't even really need to count the Howard game, so it's only three games. (laughs) Okay, three games against good competition. (laughs) I feel like over the span of that, chances are there's going to be a game where maybe only two or three of the starters are going. And then it's just going to come down to how Herculean of an effort would those two or three starters have. Or... If it does happen, the defense. Well, it could be the defense or it could be maybe do you just have one bench game in you? Do you have one Dude, bench I'd, game in I've already three? told you multiple times. Joe has one bench game in him. I promise. But you I don't have know when it coincides with the one where one of the starters isn't good. <laughs> I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how he has one in him. But see, what if that's the Howard game? Right? <laughs> Plays 20 minutes cuz they're <laughs> playing him extra cuz with Kevin they're like, "Ah, we don't need to play him as much as Howard." I don't know, man. I, I'm i very worried about that. I don't have a ton of confidence that this team has shown enough consistency throughout that that, that would be the case, that those guys are all going to be on each and every game. Um, I I do think that KU can obviously make a Final Four and, and that they can win a title. I, I think they're in that short list of teams. But I also think I'm kind of to a point where, to me, the odds of them losing the first weekend or in the Sweet 16— probably right around the same as them making a Final Four. Like, it doesn't feel that different to me. And and I am a little bit worried that something like that is going to happen, that there's going to be a game that Dewan goes one for six.
2: I mean, listen, Arkansas was preseason SEC favorite, and they are definitely a talented team. So if you face them in the round of 32, you might feel concerned. But again... The deal with the tough region and all that stuff is you don't have to play every team. Yeah. You just got to play who's in front of you.
0: Well, I will say, to, to KU's credit, we, we've talked all season long about how insanely difficult the Big 12 is and how it's the toughest conference and, and all these things. I guess this just makes yeah, it they are, they're battle status hardened. quo, right? Yeah, they're battle-hardened. Yeah. I mean, this is a— And they won that a, league. You know, they were the best team in that hardest th- this league. This is just so. a,
2: another, another week, mm-hmm. another weekend, another <laughs> Thursday-Saturday. In the Another Big 12. classic
0: Big 12 weekend, yeah. Except with Howard. Except in there. with Howard. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, let's get to the positives. I, I okay. think. Thank you. So, uh, the first thing is you <laughs> just have the experience, and, and you've done all these things. And like I just said, like you were in a very difficult conference, so it's not like you're not used to playing difficult games, which you're going to be asked to do here. I also think it's important to note that if I really want to, and we're going to do this here as part of this positive side of it, poking holes in every other team in the region is something you can still do. I don't need to do it for Howard. They're a 16 seed, right? <laughs> you understand that there are holes in their game. Let's let's just take a look at those teams who you could be playing in the second round. So Arkansas okay. a lot of injuries. and Illinois. Musselman has never made it out of the first weekend, I don't think. That is not true. He made back-to-back Elite Eights. Oh, he did? Literally the last two seasons.
2: Wait, really? yeah oh, Well, my bad. <laughs> Maybe, okay, and no, year, I was thinking of Dan Hurley, sorry. and like
0: two, yes, Dan Hurley, yeah, two years ago, I think you, before that, or 2018, he was with Nevada, and they made the Sweet 16 as a okay, seven. Sorry, uh, no, you're fine. Dan Hurley. Okay, so with with Arkansas, though, yeah, they they have had to deal with like some injuries throughout the season. Um, also the offense is not very good. They're 51st on offense. In SEC-only games, they were 8th on offense. And even though the defense is pretty good at 16th, in SEC-only games, they were 6th in the conference. And their points per possession adjusted went up by 8 points. So they're clearly not playing nearly as good defense as they were. They also can't shoot a lick. They are 304th in uh, the country in three-point percentage at 31.7%. So there's that easy poked hole at at Arkansas. Also, Arkansas has lost four of their last five games. Yep. Right? Okay, so we just poked some holes there. Boom. Uh, Let's poke some holes in Illinois. They were just 58th in the country in offense. They also cannot shoot. 331st in the country at 30.9%. Now, the worry is that we've seen it so many times in the NCAA tournament where a team that KU plays just goes bananas from three, right? We've seen that. I mean, it happened with Creighton last year in the second round, but you ended up surviving and and getting past it. Um, In theory... Illinois and Arkansas are not the types of teams that would do that. But I don't know if that makes it more worrisome or less cuz on one hand it's less likely to happen, but on the other hand that means that if it does happen, they're good at other things that that would make them more dangerous, right? So I I don't know which way to view that. But again, with Illinois, not a good shooting team, they're also very bad at shooting free throws. So they're just bad at shooting in general. They're just not a good offense, right? Like there's your poking hole in Illinois and Here's the head coach you should have picked. Brad Underwood has never made a second weekend. Ah. All right. Uh, What about about the uh, four fives in the region? So St. Mary's and Connecticut. they play at a snail's pace. Yeah, St. Mary's. But I don't know. That could almost help you against Kansas, I think. They're 359th in the country in tempo. Um, If we're poking holes in them, they, I don't know, offensively, they're they're ranked 40th. So this isn't like an elite offense they don't shoot twos that well. They're 149th in the country. Um they don't shoot free throws well, 282nd in the country. So you get in a late game, they could be missing some free throws. They do defend their their ass off, so that's not really something I would poke out. But yeah, offensively like they're they're a good offense, they're not great. They're 40th on offense. And and we've had we've had uh ups and downs, I would say, with the KU offense this year. At the end of the day, the KU offense is still 11 spots better than St. Mary's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, they I don't know, like, I, I the next guess type of game where like if you get up ten, you might as well be up 25. Yeah. Well, and how battle tested are they, right? That's that's a fair question to ask. Yeah, they play in the WCC. Yeah. So there's a hole we can poke in them. Uh, Connecticut is the four seed, and as as much as the the metrics love Connecticut, no matter where you look, like Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, ESPN, like FPI, all these things, they're fourth in in the country in Ken Palm.
2: They did. They, they did have lost six of eight. They they lost. Consi- yeah, they lost six of eight back in January.
0: They, they've consistently just in like December. lost close games. Is what it is, you know. Like, uh, like you said, they lost six of eight. They lose by three to Xavier, one to Seton Hall. Yeah, I mean, you look at their losses. They're yeah. two their to Marquette, loss three to was to Creighton, twelve. Every mm-hmm. other
2: loss was by ten or less.
0: Yeah, and so. On one hand, you could say, well, that just means that they're due for corrections coming their way. Yeah, it could. It could also mean that they're not good at executing down the stretch. And when I look at back to what you were saying about Dan Hurley, Dan Hurley's never made a second weekend. I think Dan Hurley's a solid coach. Do I think Dan Hurley is a great coach? Probably not. And so could there be something there about Dan Hurley not as great in execution moments down the stretch? Yeah, they're very much good. Yeah. So there's your hole that you're kind of poking against and UConn. UConn
2: does turn the ball over quite a bit as well.
0: Yeah, they do. 234th in turnover rate offensively. Guess what KU likes to do defensively? Turn, turn the you ball over. Yeah. So those are, those are positives. They also foul too much on the defensive side of the ball. So there's your holes you're poking in Connecticut. I will yep. also say, in regards to both St. Mary's and UConn, we were talking a little about this off-air today. Like, it would not <laughs> be that crazy, as much as I think St. Mary's and UConn will get by it would not be that crazy if VCU upset St. Mary's. I mean, VCU is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Yeah. They're 17th on defense. Uh they they kind of turn you over. And um VCU has won, I'm trying to think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine straight games and seventeen of their last nineteen. I mean, they are they are on an absolute here right now. And the two losses were by three and four. One of them to Dayton, who's like a good team. VCU's on fire. It would not be crazy if VCU upset St. Mary's. I think Iona over UConn would be a little bit more of a surprise, but it still wouldn't be like a shock. Iona is 74th in the country on Ken Palm. Out of comparison, Pittsburgh, who is playing in the play-in game as an 11 seed. Yeah, 77. Is 77th. they So Iona's ahead of them. And Iona has a long winning streak as well they've won 14 straight it's the third longest winning streak active in the country right now and guess who they're coached by that would be one rick patino yep rick patino has a lot of uh former big east matchups with yukon i don't know how much he helps him in this one but i own his good team. Uh, point being as much as i don't think the bracket will break open for ku just because there's so many good teams in the region it wouldn't be impossible VCU oh, yeah. and Iona could get through. Just to circle back. Right. You only have, you don't
2: have to play every team in your region. You just play who's in front of you. That could be
0: VCU. Yep. That could be St. Mary's. That All could be UConn. Right, but it doesn't matter. You only have to play one of them. Yep. Let let's poke holes in some of the bottom half teams. Uh UCLA, who's the two seed in your region. They're dealing with Jalen injuries. Clark injury. Jalen yeah. Clark's out for the year. He is one of the best defensive players in the country. He's done for the year. This is the number one defense in the country. Um, I'd be curious to look at their numbers without Jalen Clark, but that that certainly impacts them. They also their their big man Adam Bona. He's a good big man, six foot ten freshman. He's injured right now. His status though is questionable for even the first round game. But hypothetically, if he's back for the second weekend with the injury, that would be a huge boon to them. What happens if they lose in the first weekend before he comes back? If he does not come back, which you might be saying, ah. I don't really love the teams they're playing to beat them. And I, I don't, to be clear. But UNC Asheville is not like... I mean, it's its kind of an interesting 15 seed. And then you look at the Northwestern-Boise State game. What do we say always wins in March? Guard play. Guard play. Northwestern had probably the best backcourt in the Big Ten. Boo Boo is really good. And Boise State with Marcus Shaver has one of the best backcourts in the Mountain West. It would not be that crazy... If Northwestern and Boise State upset UCLA in the second round because of the injury, if Adam Bona can't go. Now, UCLA is probably the hardest team to poke holes in outside of the injuries because they're number one on defense. They're 25th on offense. They kind of just do everything. I mean, they're they're pretty much elite at everything on defense. Offensively, they're just like, they're not like bad at anything, but they don't really shoot it well. That would be the one thing you kind of point to. 181st in the country in two-point percentage, 143rd in three-point percentage, 162nd in free throw rate. So they're just not a great shooting team. You get stuck in the mud against them and they lose a close game because they can't make enough shots. So that's how you'd poke a hole against them. Um, for Gonzaga, this would be an easy one to poke a hole in. Offense, Their defense.
2: Good defense, bad.
0: Yes. 76th in the country in defensive efficiency. They really, really bad. Yeah. yeah, they 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 can't defend the interior. Two hundred twenty eighth. They don't really defend from three. Drew Timmy's elite offensively, but he causes some problems defensively. They don't really have great guard play either, which usually wins in March. Nope. We've also seen them get blown out by some good teams. They lost by nineteen to Texas. They lost by eighteen to Purdue. So I mean, you can easily poke holes there. Yep. Um, we know about TCU. Basically. Yeah, we know they have holes. They can't shoot, but they can also have a very high ceiling. And also, in the the case of the bracket breaking open, like I said, wouldn't be crazy if UCLA lost in the second round. Wouldn't be crazy if Gonzaga lost to TCU. Yeah, I mean, I think TCU, if they play Gonzaga,
2: will, will probably win. Yeah, In fact, I have that picked in my bracket.
0: And so we know Kansas has holes in their game. The offense can be inconsistent. Sometimes the starters don't all come out. They're not shooting well from three over the last month plus of the season. Not a lot of depth. Yeah, not a lot of depth. The the injury concern to, to Kevin, the health concern for Bill Self. But you've got first team All American Dylan Wilson. Yep. I the point Maybe is the that second best player in the country. Every team in the country has holes you can point at, and there's a reason Kansas is the one seed. Correct. So there's it's your positive way of Wilson. looking at
2: things. And they have DeWan Harris, the best point guard in the country from a facilitating standpoint and Grady Dick who, when he's on one of the top shooters in the country.
0: Yep. So there's the positive way of, of looking at it. Oh, and Kevin McCuller, one of the best defensive players
2: in the country. All
0: right. I I do want to talk a little more, uh, about the KU bench and if that is a problem at all, headed into the NCAA tournament. We'll get to that next. Matt Tate is going to join the show a little later than normal. He'll join at four twenty today. We got a Johnny's Tavern interview brought to you, uh, by Johnny's Tavern, I'm sorry, uh, with the KU Club racquetball team and Simon Riley at 4.05. We also have a fun NCAA Superlatives little segment we're going to do at 5 o'clock. This is RCST on KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app, depend on it. <laughs> NFL free agency begun yesterday, which honestly, it it's pretty kind of, of the NFL to be like, I mean, I, I don't think they do it for this reason, but yesterday is a tough day in sports there's you know there's no nfl games there's no uh college basketball games going on uh, there, there's not a lot going on yesterday and, and you're just so eager and looking forward to the ncaa <laughs> tournament that it's nice that nfl free agency started yesterday because it gave you something else to kind of occupy your mind with or to feel excited about uh before you sure. get into the ncaa tournament so yeah that is kind of nice um, the Chiefs though made a big move yesterday. We discussed it a little bit on yesterday's show, but Juwan Taylor yeah. is the new offensive tackle coming to the team. He was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, was a second round draft pick. He went from being um kind of a bad pass blocker to then in twenty twenty one he was like above average by like some different numbers like win rate and stuff like that. And then this past year he was one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, he was top five. Yeah. So yeah. really good pass blocker there. You're probably upgrading the pass blocking from Orlando Brown, who was kind of like below average there. You're probably well, losing some of the run blocking. over left tackle position. Yes. Uh, also, I saw that apparently Juwan Taylor, very athletic, and he's good in the screen game. And he's a little more mobile than Orlando Brown. And what does Andy Reid really yeah. like to do? Like, like those screens, right? screens and get guys running out all over the place. So that'll be helpful. Now, there was mentions yesterday. They gave him a four-year, $80 million deal, which is the the contract they offered Orlando Brown in the previous offseason was 6-139. So got, you're attached for less years, meaning you're attached for less you know, potential long-term down the road. Also, that would have been like 23 million dollars a year. So he saved about $3 million a year. Um, but the idea was that they're going to move him to left tackle. He's been a right tackle. He's athletic enough to play left tackle unless something else happens. And what could that something else be? Well, it could be, you know, what if they find a, a veteran left tackle who wants to come play cheap? Or what if they, they, they find a steal in the draft who can play left tackle for them? Or... or what if it's Laramie Tunsell? They trade for Laramie Tunsell. So Laramie Tunsell is the player that many people will remember for the gas mask uh, weed photo that surfaced right before the NFL draft, caused him to drop from being like, supposed to be like, what, a top five pick or something like that to end up being a little later in the first round. He ends up going to the Texans, or I'm sorry, the, the Dolphins in the draft. Then eventually the the Texans a few years ago trade for him to try to protect Deshaun Watson, but the Texans end up having the Deshaun Watson stuff and, and they just fall apart, bad. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. So I, I don't know for sure that they're going to trade him. They don't so, have to. They might yeah. just be like, hey, we want him to protect our rookie quarterback. So there's been, He's been rumored.
2: There's been some conflicting reports, shall we say, mm-hmm. about the possibility of him being traded. But suppose, supposedly the Chiefs, have been sniffing around and doing some of some of their due diligence, some research on the possibility of it, uh, which would be very interesting because then you'd have Jeremy to left tackle and Juwan Taylor right tackle who has that's what he's that's the position he's played. But it does sound like Juwan Taylor is flexible. So to me, this sounds like a situation of I think the I think maybe one of Brett Veach's best traits as a GM is he's very he's always been very, very good at keeping all of his options open. Mm-hmm. And that is what this seems like to me. This seems like a situation where he w- maybe he was interested in Tunsil or interested in whatever. Jawan Taylor was available and interested, so they bring in Jawan Taylor on a pretty good deal, yeah. while still keeping open the possibility of further action on the offensive line, right? And and if and if nothing else happens, then the Chiefs would still probably be fine with that. You can just move Taylor to left tackle, and then Lucas Niang or whatever. They just have just, options, yes. which is nice, yes. which is very. And nice. I think that's I think that's a trait about Brett Veach that elevates him to being a great GM is I think he's been so good in so many different situations of maintaining that flexibility of options while also being proactive about it, right? Like like the Juwan Taylor move is a pretty proactive signing, I think, for the Chiefs uh, to to sort of give them some insurance on what they think the O-line might look like while also still having the opportunity to make further moves.
0: Yeah. So this was a report from Aaron Wilson who works for the uh, like NBC station in Houston, used to work for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, and he said that the Chiefs and Texans have spoken about a potential deal. He said more than rumors, but doesn't mean they have an actual deal. So they're clearly yeah. talking about it even after the move for Juwan Taylor. And yeah, like you said, it would just. And you could say, well, is it is it smart to put like it's it's one thing if you pay one tackle that much. Is it smart to put that much resources into both tackles and, and the whole offensive line because you, be, you have Tooney and and, and Humphrey you'd have and to be Smith trading picks and right. whatnot, but. Tunsil, I would say yes. It Tunsil absolutely is worth it. Has two
2: years left, I think, on his mm-hmm. current deal. And so basically, if that trade were to happen, you'd have Tunsell plus Juwan Taylor, and then you'd have two two more years basically of Tooney. that offensive line. Yeah. Of Tooney, Humphrey, and Trey Smith plus those two tackles. So you'd be you'd be set really for a couple of
0: years, basically. Yeah, I don't know what tonsils would be, but I think he would have a, for this year, it would be like an $18 million cap it. No, it looks like he's a free agent next season for Tunsell. Oh, really? Um, I thought he had two, two years left. But I think the idea is that if you're the Chiefs, the, the one position, like, if you want to be like, hey, it's probably not smart to invest too much money in corners because the Chiefs have done so good with rookie corners and with drafting guys late in rounds. Or maybe it's not super smart to invest too much in wide receivers because we know Patrick Mahomes is going to be good no matter who you throw out there. And they didn't have, like, Tyreek Hill this year, and they were fine. It doesn't make sense to throw money or anything. The one position where you can't argue that is it has to be offensive line. It has to be because you're protecting Patrick Mahomes. And how close the season yeah. could have been to ending short because he got injured further furthers the idea that it's like no do everything at all costs. So if yes. you if you end up paying Laramie Tunzel to be the the highest paid offensive tackle if you trade for him after you give up picks for him like go for it and just secure that line as good as possible have the best line in the NFL because if you have the best line with Patrick Mahomes it doesn't matter what receivers you have <laughs> it's going to be very good and that's the thing with Laramie Tunzel this is not just a guy this is not like a when they went out and they got Orlando Brown, and it was like, well, we'll see how he moves from right tackle to left tackle. He was a pretty good right tackle, like Pro Bowl level, but he wasn't all pro. Or when they got Frank Clark. Frank Clark was coming off like a nine and a half, ten 10-sack season where he was a good defensive end, but he wasn't one of the top five defensive ends. Laramie Tunsil is an all pro. He is yeah, literally like, like if three. he's not the best offensive tackle, he's, yeah, top two or top three. So that guy, you go out and get. So that's certainly interesting. Um, adding to the, uh, elsewhere around the league, the offensive tackle stuff for the Chiefs, Andrew Wiley signed with the Commanders, so he re-teams up with Eric yep. Uh You wish him the best. He, he didn't have the best overall regular season, but he really stepped up when they needed him to in the playoffs and, yes. and certainly in the Super Bowl, so uh, that just kind of opens that up a little more. Yeah. Maybe the biggest talk today is is about the Aaron Rodgers stuff.
2: Dude, I am so sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers. Like, dude, what are we doing? Just go away or do something. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. You're gonna you're gonna lose in the first round of the playoffs anyways, wherever <laughs> you go. I don't care what you do,
0: dude. I me mean, If Aaron yeah, Rodgers though goes man. to the Jets, the Patriots are like by far the worst team in that division, right? It's just uh, I, maybe maybe not. I mean, I, mean, I guess I feel still bad for Bill the Belichick. Jets
2: though because they're sitting there and they're like, "Oh, we might get Aaron Rodgers," Ooh, Ooh. but meanwhile, their options are dwindling. So if Aaron Rodgers suddenly does a 180 and, like, I don't know, decides to retire or decides to go be a clown somewhere else or something, the Jets are going to be stuck with nothing because they've been waiting around thinking they're going to get Rodgers. Now, it sounds like he is going to go to the Jets, but, I mean, can you really trust a guy that
0: is that crazy? No. By the way, this is uh, some breaking news. The Naismith defensive player of the year finalist, they named four, came out. No Kevin McCuller. And let me guess, no Dewan Harris. Nope.
2: <laughs> the defensive player of the year in the best conference in the country.
0: Yep. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, with the Jets, they they gave Alan Lazard a four-year, $44 million deal. It sounds like they possibly might bring in Randall Cobb. Yeah, it would be objectively funny if, if he ended up doing that. But it seems like that's the way it's kind of leaning right now. But now he's got this stupid wish list
2: of a bunch of old, washed, crap players. Mercedes Lewis, <laughs> uh,
0: Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm like
2: it's just I just don't I just don't
0: understand I I don't understand, I don't understand why understand all how, these quarterbacks too are like you know what the AFC is so loaded with good teams and quarterbacks you know what's gonna be good for me and trying to make a Super Bowl going to the AFC it's like what what I just don't get how you could be a GM and and
2: look at Aaron Rodgers and be like yeah this guy he's a lunatic he is just he's not even that good anymore I don't think coming off what the worst season of his career basically
0: yeah, yeah, that's gonna work. Okay, um, where what else happened that was notable? Jimmy G went to the Raiders. <laughs> that's a downgrade from Derek Carr, right? At, at best case, it's like the same. Yeah, best case. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a more. Um, it's, it's a it's a better to Josh McDaniels because he knows him. It's a downgrade, but, yeah. but
2: at best, it could be like a lateral move.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with that. They so I don't, don't really, really know what they're doing there. They signed Jacoby Myers three years thirty three million. So they're just gonna have like the most like well, dude, meh. they saw team.
2: Jacoby Myers give him that win against the Patriots. Remember? <laughs> that's right. He was the one that threw it to Chandler Jones and they won. <laughs>
0: they're like, we owe you. We owe you. <laughs> Literally. I will say uh good numbers to keep in mind. Both the Lazard and Myers one, if you noticed. Lazard was four forty four, that's eleven a year. Myers three thirty three, that's eleven a year. Yeah,
2: so the market this year is looking much more favorable.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the receiver market anywhere you looked, if the the ranking of the top receivers, Lazard, Myers, and Juju, those are pretty consensusly like the top three. That means Juju would be getting around eleven a year, I think, is the way of looking at it. So, yeah, which if, is probably if you look at it, I bet you there will be a, a worse team that offers him, you know, twelve to thirteen, maybe even up to fifteen million dollar a year, and the Chiefs will probably be like, hey. We'll be fine giving you, you know, eight, ten million $10 million a year with incentives that if you make a Pro Bowl or if you catch a thousand yards or whatever, it gets up to $11, $12 million a year. But you're going to have to take a bit of a discount if you want to stay here. And if not, then we'll go for another veteran receiver. We'll get an Adam Thielen or something like that. But I do think that yeah. is encouraging for keeping Juju because oh, yes. I was I worried so before the offseason that you get into a spot where Juju gets a Christian Kirk contract, and I think clearly what you're seeing here is is that's not going to be the case. That it, yeah. If you do bring him back, it will be an affordable contract. Yes. How about the Broncos in the division? I don't know where they got all this money. I thought they were tied up <laughs> with uh, Russell Wilson. They absolutely paid for a couple offensive linemen. Five years, $87.5 million to Mike McGlinchey. Four years, $52 million to Ben Powers, who is an offensive guard. So basically together... That's, oh, what, like, I don't know, $30 million around that a year on two offensive linemen that, in the case of McGlinchey, really good run blocker, but I don't know how good he is as a pass blocker. That's a lot of money for 5-12. and A <laughs> lot of money. Well, they also signed a couple other guys which is interesting. Alex Singleton, not as much. Zach Allen's kind of interesting because he's a good pass rusher, but um, how about this one? Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham. Interesting Bronco at all? Bronco's starting quarterback week. Do you think, okay, because Sean Payton, who's their new head coach, was on the, I forget if it was Fox or CBS desk, right? Yeah. And so he obviously was was watching these games. He was on Fox. Do you think he watched that game at the end of the season with Stidham, what he did against the 49ers was like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. And now he like thinks he's going to be the solution when Russell Wilson I don't think
2: Sean Payton would would hesitate to bench Russell Wilson either. No, I I don't think so at all. No. Exactly. Not one bit. So week 10, Garrett Stidham rolling out there?
0: Which is like, okay, whatever. That's fine.
2: (laughs) Five
0: and twelve. Uh, last team in the AFC West, the Chargers are looking to trade Austin Eckler. Kind of funny. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the Chargers. Hey,
2: to me, it feels like their real window to go win a Super Bowl is like kind of closed.
0: Is it not? Like, yes, still have Mike I think Williams. This and- next year's their one year. They basically converted a bunch of their like the Khalil Max and all these guys that had big cap numbers. They converted their signing bonuses, that basically makes it so that. They were able to afford keeping a lot of guys this year, but that next year they're really going to have to make a bunch of roster moves. They're gonna, they're and gonna then gonna they're going to gonna pay, have to pay Justin Herbert, have to right? Pay
2: Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen's getting old. Yeah. Mike Williams is pretty solid, but you're about to trade Austin Eckler, which like they kind of need to really have a slam dunk on that yes, trade.
0: This year has to be the year for them, is, is kind of my opinion. <clears throat> Not that they won't or couldn't still be good because you you do have a, a I mean, really good quarterback. Justin Herbert's Justin Herbert. a top 10 quarterback. Right. But it's it's never going to get easier, I guess, yes. than I would say, than right now in terms of the talent that you can build around well, him. Well, t- depending with. on who you ask, last yeah. year was the easiest year. And look what happened. And it didn't work. Yeah, they exactly, got which is why it's in the teams won the Super Bowl. Uh, some quick ones to finish up with 49ers give a big contract to Javon Hargraves, who. Is uh He was one of the best free agents available. He was Eagles, double-digit sacks, or right around it. How about this? This is interesting. They signed Sam Darnold, who I don't expect him to be the starter. It'll probably be one of Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, but if they get to another situation where guys get injured, would it be that shocking if like Kyle Shanahan made Sam Darnold like yeah. Jimmy no, this Garoppolo? Is, this, is you a, know?
2: this is a paranoia signing, where it's yeah. like they just went through a season we where they had more. to go through four quarterbacks. They're like,
0: please, yeah. please! <laughs> Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Falcons got Taylor Heineke. Yeah, what? Is he going to be their starter? I, I, I think so. I don't, I don't know. know who else would be. I guess. So they're do, like, do the Fal- nah, okay. We're out on Lamar. Give I'm confused. Heineke. Do the Falcons think that they're good? I don't know. They got Jesse Bates. Chris Lindstrom's really good. They also traded line. for John John, John they traded good. for Jonu Smith. Which yeah. they that for some tight reason end. people
2: thought that that meant they were going to trade Kyle Pitts, but I don't really. That wouldn't make sense. No, yeah. he's just a backup tight end. Um Exactly. He like I Smith think, was like good for like half a year. I think they're,
0: they're they're following the uh Falcon, or the uh Titans model which is what I mean, they're their offense coordinators with the Titans. They're saying, we're not going to pay top dollar for a quarterback because we don't have the guy. Like, if we had the guy, we would pay him, but we don't have that. So instead of us paying $40 million a year for a Daniel Jones type, let's just pay $10 million a year for Heineken and use the 30 elsewhere. I actually don't, I don't blame them. I don't. Now, personally, I, I would have gone out and get Lamar Jackson. I think that would have been interesting because yeah, he would have been they, the yeah, I mean, either best or second best quarterback yeah, in the I NFC, mean, but. but. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the Bears splurged on some guys. We mentioned Ramsey getting traded yesterday. Peterson, Patrick Peterson, with the Steelers. Um, Seahawks committed to Gino. Yeah, the only other thing I, I wanted to mention: why Darren that. Waller got traded today to the Giants. That was kind of an yeah. interesting thing, but uh, he ended up getting traded for the third that the Giants got for Kadarius Tony. So I guess it worked out for them, sort of. Yeah, I mean the
2: Giants. with I think the Giants are probably happy with that swapping Tony for Darren
0: Waller. Mm-hmm. They should be happy. The Chiefs are happy. Certainly. Yeah. All right. He is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST on KLWN. Uh, KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with Simon Riley of the KU Racquetball Club. Next. Welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer and. We continue on with our KU club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence going out to Johnny's Tavern. You can feel like you're part of the neighborhood. You can get a beer, a burger, whatever you would like. And, uh, tell Rick, we, we said, hi, we continue on with the KU racquetball club here. And, uh, we've got Simon Riley joining us here. So, uh, I guess first things first racquetball, it's not like a, a gigantic sport that that gets played in, in high school and stuff. Right. So, um, what kind of got you into the sport? Was it something you've done growing up, or did you just kind of start doing it once you got to KU?
3: Yeah, well, my dad uh, played, and he actually taught me how to play when I was in middle school. Um, and, yeah, it is unfortunately kind of a dying sport. Um, and Lawrence isn't a super great city, not a whole lot of players. St. Louis is a much more, uh, it's much more popular there. Um, but, yeah, we're just starting the club this semester, and we're really trying to get – Everyone back into it and hopefully do great stuff for the sport.
0: Where are you originally from? And I know you were telling me you're a junior at KU. Are you from Lawrence? Are you from St. Louis? Where are you from?
3: Yes, I was born and raised here in Lawrence, so I've been around KU all my life.
0: Well, that's that's very cool. I know uh, when I was in school, I, I took a racquetball class at KU. I loved it to death. Me and a couple friends would play and, and everything. And I still to this day, I'll, I don't know, maybe once every now and then I'll, I'll go find an open court and and play it's a, it's a really good time it's it's good exercise it, it's a fun sport you don't have to necessarily be you know the, there's different levels of, of things and, and different mm-hmm. ways that you can kind of go about it which i think is really really fun um so I, as far as the club goes how are you guys accepting people in Are there tryouts is it just if you want to come by you can join the team how does that all work
3: yeah, well, at this point, it's really just we're, we're open to anyone. Any student at all can join regardless of skill level all the way down to beginner. Um, most people would be starting at beginner uh, just because it's not a super big sport around here. But, yeah, we're trying to get anyone and everyone that's interested in the sport.
0: Mm-hmm. And so in terms of, like, competition, is there going to be tournaments you guys are going to join? Is this just for a club so that you guys can have people to, you know, play with and, and have a fun group activity that is – you know, a a fun time and and good exercise and stuff. What is kind of the the end goal here of the club?
3: Yeah, well, right now we're just focusing on getting everyone to learn how to play and enjoy the sport and improve their skills. Um, Eventually we are going to, we have some plans to um, get some tournaments, maybe even host a tournament on campus uh, nationwide for people to come in. Um, But yeah, right now we're just focusing on teaching people how to play and enjoying the sport. What's the number
0: one thing? that you feel like is is the toughest part to teach someone when you're first teaching them the game?
3: Well, it's really kind of a unique sport, so it's hard to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a coach, which has helped out a lot, but with me being the president, I have had to kind of step into that leader role and, and kind of teach how to play. I think... The hardest thing to just get accustomed to is the sport is actually played in like a a room. So it's kind of a a six wall enclosed space. And it is hard to keep track of the ball when it's flying off of all the walls. So that's something that's kind of hard to teach. And you kind of just have to develop as you play and experience the sport more. And you can get a sense of what the ball's doing. Yeah.
0: And and I love all the different shots. You can have all the different types of serves you can have. um, Can you kind of go go over some of the just basic rules of the game for, for people?
3: Yeah. So... It's, it's most similar to squash, although I'm sure some people probably haven't really <laughs> heard of that, um, but it's it's similar to kind of your typical racket sport in that there's a server and a receiver, and it's basically just a big game of keep away or trying to hit the ball away from your opponent so that they can't get to it before it bounces twice. Um, the serving and the mechanics like during the rally are a little nuanced, um, but basically... You, the, the prime goal during a rally is to get the ball to the front wall. And then outside of that, you can hit it off of any walls that you want. And um, you're basically aiming low so that it hits the front wall and then dies right on the ground so that it bounces twice really quick and it's hard for your opponent to get to it.
0: Do you have a favorite shot to hit or, or maybe a favorite type of way of serving, right? Because like I said, there's, I don't know, you can try to kind of like zigzag it off a wall. You can. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, do you have a favorite way of shooting?
3: Yeah, well, for sure. There's a lot of crazy wall shots. Um, a shot that mostly only the pros hit is called a splat shot, which is kind of like the ball is close to one of the side walls, and you hit it really hard into the wall and then it ends up just kind of doing a splat movement and just gets to the front wall and dies kind of at the front. So that's a pretty hard shot to hit, but it really does feel good when you can get it.
0: Uh, how would you how would you describe your game? Uh, like you said, you've been playing. Like your dad taught you the
3: sport and everything. Are, are you pretty advanced? Do you feel like you're pretty good? I feel like I'm pretty good. I still have a, lots of room you're for improvement. Humble. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest asset is my speed and my power. Um, power is really important, especially for people that are just starting out, because it's just really crazy. The ball can go. I think the pros can hit it close to 200 <laughs> miles an hour. So the ball's really bouncy and it just explodes off of the walls. So, yeah, I would say just power and then, uh, like, uh, foot, like, movement, being able to get to the ball is probably the best part of my game.
0: What inspired you to want to start this club up and and to be the president, and, and what kind of got those wheels turning? Was it this year? Was it uh, one of your first years at KU? When I guess take me through that whole process.
3: Yeah, well— I really kind of always, because I I found out actually sophomore year that there had been a club at KU and then it got disbanded a few years ago. And so when I found out about that, I really wanted to get the club going again. And so um, I communicated with who eventually became our coach and we made plans to kind of revive the club. And so the sport has just always meant a lot to me and I want to get as many people involved in it. And so it, it was a long process getting it going again. There was a lot of steps to follow, but we're really glad this semester to finally be in a place where we feel like we're back to club status. So
0: are you guys playing just at the, the KU Rec Center or maybe over at Ambler? I don't know if that's that that's still open. How, I guess where do people go to, to practice and, and how often do you guys meet?
3: Yeah. So we have uh, two of the courts reserved for, uh, we practice three times a week at the Ambler Student Recreation Center. Um, we practice Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Sunday afternoons.
0: Okay. And for for people wanting to join, um, is it just kind of a rolling, like if, if at any point somebody wants to join, will you take them on at, at that point? Or is there specific dates when somebody would have to join too?
3: Um, they can pretty much join whenever throw them in there and figure out the skill yeah yeah the biggest thing is just like being able to spread awareness so like this is a great opportunity because i know a lot of students listen to the radio and um so just just being able to spread the word and then um the main way that people can join is uh uh the rec has a bulletin board of all the sport clubs and you just like scan a qr code and racquetball just got put up there so um if you can find that bulletin board um scan it it's just like a google form basically just filling out contact info and then once I have that, I can get people into the club.
0: Mm-hmm. As far as what's required for somebody to join the club, I would imagine this is this is a little bit of an easier sport to get involved with than say, you know, if you're joining some sport that requires you getting a lot of equipment. Because probably all you need is what the racket and maybe like the the goggles or the glasses or something like that. Uh, is that something that is you know rentable at, at the areas? Do people have to provide their own? How does that work?
3: Yeah, so basically it's just the racket and the ball, and um, the rack rents out. They have a bunch of rackets, so anyone that doesn't have their own racket can just borrow one when they get to the front desk. Um, the other really safety, really important piece of equipment is uh, safety goggles. Um, I've seen it happen. People just lose their eye because they don't have safety goggles in there. Um, so yeah, those balls are coming
0: fast, like you said.
3: Yeah, it is it is admittedly a dangerous sport um but i do have a bunch of safety goggles that i can give anyone that doesn't have their own although i think right now everyone in the club has their own pair so that's good
0: awesome as far as things you guys have upcoming ways to support the program um i know you're saying you're just kind of getting going again on on social media uh what are ways, are you gonna have any fundraisers? Is it just the the support, the the, the word around town to get people to, to join the club? What are ways that people can support you guys?
3: Yeah, well right now the biggest thing we're focusing on is we're gonna to try to get some shirts uh, made. So getting a shirt would definitely be the best way to financially support the club. Um, Outside of that, yeah, we're just kind of starting social media, so um, we're gonna be posting stuff on there, updates, any just information that people can can follow the club.
0: And what's what's gonna be the, the do you know off offhand the the handle or, or the tag for your Instagram account that people can give follow to?
3: Uh, yeah, right now it's just KU Racketball, and that's uh, with a with a Q, so R A C Q U E T. B-A-L-L, so KU Racquetball.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, uh, Simon, I, I appreciate you coming in here and sharing some word about this. I'm excited once those shirts come up. I'm going to have to get one. Uh, and It'll be perfect for next time I go play racquetball. But uh, Anything else that you want to share about the club or anything like that before we let you go?
3: Uh, I think we've covered a lot. That, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That is uh,
0: Simon Riley. He's the club president of the KU Racquetball team. Go check out the club if uh, you're listening to this and you have a kid at KU. Perfect way to to get uh, involved as well. So uh, check that out. And uh, once again, this interview has been brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence where you can feel like a member of the neighborhood, get a great bite to eat, and check out some of the KU games upcoming in the NCAA tournament and just have a good time over at Johnny's. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. This is KLWN on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and KLWN.com. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. The time of the week, we're joined by Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. It is NCAA Tournament Week. KU ends up not getting the Midwest. They still will be playing in uh, Des Moines this weekend, but should they make it through, they will uh, be heading off to Las Vegas. So uh, I guess, Matt, first things first, are, are you more surprised about KU not getting the Midwest or... Or are you more surprised the KU women's team did not make the tournament at all?
1: Wow, good question. Um, I think I'm more surprised that the that the KU men didn't get the Midwest. Um, you know, the women's team deserved probably to be in, but they uh, they didn't they didn't leave a great taste in everybody's mouth uh, with their with their loss in the Big 12 tournament, and so we had to kind of think when that happened that it at least entered your mind that they could be in trouble. And again, it's debatable whether they should have been in trouble. I don't think they should have. I think they should have made it. I mean, they had the the fourth highest net rating in the conference and six teams made it from the conference. So, you know, you start doing the math there and it just doesn't, doesn't add up. But, um, but you knew that was a bad loss and you knew that wasn't going to be the way any, you want anyone to remember you going into the bracket and um, look what happened. So, Not a shock, but but I I mean I had KU in the Midwest as a lock um, two weeks ago. To be honest with you, I I, I mean I just didn't think, um, and we probably talked about it on this show, but I didn't think that there was any way that Houston's resume would outdo KU's resume. And that's not a that's not a question or a debate of is Houston a better team. That I think you could make an argument for. I mean I think that's a legitimate let's actually sit down and have a beer and talk about that because Houston's really freaking good, but their resume, it it isn't even close to KU's resume. So that was shocking to me. Um, You know, I wanted Kansas to be in Kansas city because I live near Kansas city and that that makes travel a lot easier um, but Vegas is cool too. And if they get there, then I guess I'll go, um, it'll, <laughs> it'll be hard. I'll have a, a really hard time I- accepting that, but I'll, I'll find a way. Don't worry. And, uh, and, and well, thank you, you for know, your and, sacrifice. And yeah, like, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. But yeah, the, you know, the, the, the whole thing about the tournament and these guys have already talked about it and everybody's already talked about it. I mean, it's the same thing every year it really doesn't matter who you're playing or where you're playing or whatever. It's just the matchup, right? Like it it is, it is so important that your chances of advancing depend on how you're playing and the matchups that you face. And so that doesn't matter where it is or, or, or what, what benefits or non-benefits you get from that. So, they've got the right attitude. They, they quickly shifted gears and, and they're okay with, you know, the, their road and they have to be, but I, I was shocked and, and KJ said shocked. And I think the players were shocked. and um, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, normally when you start debating this stuff and you you hear them whining and complaining about the bracket, it's, it's usually, uh, you know, a team that didn't get in and, and Dickie B's going wild and screaming about what a travesty it is and all that. And, and you know, this year you could have done that with Oklahoma State. I think they they had a they had a very good uh, season and a very good net ranking as well, and and probably belong in, but they didn't get in. So normally that's what it is. But man, to see it to see it hit Kansas, a year that Kansas is a one seed, is it was pretty wild. But I think you you probably know better than I do because I've been driving all day. But I think most people have moved on, and you know it's uh, it's go time now. All, all you got to do is play well in advance, and if you do that. It won't matter where you are.
0: Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to, to I guess see over the course of the week in Des Moines what is KU's focus and approach? Are they are they mad about it and it's something on their mind in a bad way or is it something that leads to a chip on their shoulder and could actually be a good thing for this team? As far as some of those matchups you mentioned that being the most important part for everything. Kansas will get Howard in their opening round game on Thursday and then they would if they get through that which you'd expect them to would take on Arkansas or Illinois in the second round on Saturday. What kind of sticks out to you I guess first things first about this little two-game tournament that they always like to talk about, this little pod just in Des Moines that KU could have to face this week?
1: Well, yeah, it won't be easy. You know, I mean, I, I think that um, there's a one sixteen 16 game for a reason, and and it's only happened one time that a 16s won for a reason and all that, so you know, Kansas is, is going to be fine in that first game they got to show up though and they got to play and and Howard not a not a team that looks like they're going to be overwhelmed or intimidated or or back down either um but they also don't look like they have a a team with the makeup to really give Kansas a scare so um, we'll see but I, I think the first line I saw on that was 23 and it might be significantly lower than that right now and I probably would say that that it should be lower than that I mean it's just the days of one seed being favored by 34 and a half over 16 seeds, they're probably long gone. And, um, I used to go to Vegas every year before I started covering KU for the first round of the tournament with friends. And, um, man, I can remember taking, you know, East Alabama State against number one seed Oklahoma <laughs> plus 34 and a half and thinking, how can I not win that bet? And I'll let you guess what happened. I didn't win the freaking bet, but, um, I don't think we're going to see lines like that very often, if at all, ever again. Because there's just much, much more parity, and even the 16s, especially now that we have the the, the one that, that did do that to, to West Virginia, or I'm sorry, to Virginia. Jeez, that um, you know that 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 changed everything, and the games changed, and all of that. So I, I don't think. We'll see that again, but yeah, I mean, I think that Kansas will have to play well in that game, and and they and I'm sure they will, and then and then it's a dogfight. I I would say the first thing that jumped out to me to answer your question, you know the first thing that jumped out to me is I think the, the hardest game in this whole freaking run for KU will be the second game. Um, that's not to say they're going to have to, you know, they're going to walk if they get to the sweet 16 early date. I, I don't think that that's the case either, but I think getting past round two, much like it was last year, um, against a really good Creighton team that, that gave Kansas everything it could want and then some, um, I, I think Arkansas and Illinois are both very capable of, of, putting Kansas in a tough spot and making that game way more competitive than Kansas fans want it to be. Um, and if they get by it, then they get a week to prepare for whoever the, the sweet 16 game is. We all know how Bill Self has done in the tournament with that much time. You know, I think he'll have his team ready to go and have a good game plan for if it's UConn or St. Mary's or whoever it is. And, and if you get by that one, yeah, UCLA and Gonzaga both look like tough, tough matchups for KU. It is a loaded region, but, You only have to play one of them if they get there. And at that point you're in the elite eight and who cares what happens, right? Like if you win, great, you're going to the final four. What an accomplishment. If you lose, no one's going to say, I can't believe you lost that game in the elite eight to the two seed. You're a choker, you know, like, so, so there's not as much quote unquote pressure in that game. Like, like there is in the second game where you're expected to win it, but you're playing a team that's really, really good. So, um, I tend to think Kansas fans should want to play Illinois, but the more I've read over the last day or so, um, you know, there's some things about Arkansas that that could really favor Kansas, too, and that's number one, that that they're not a great outside shooting team. So if KU could just pack it in the paint and, and, and... dare them to beat them from the outside, so be it. But you guys know how that goes. A lot, a lot of years, a lot, a lot of games for Kansas fans. I'm going, oh, of co- I've gone, of course. That guy's only made three freaking three-pointers in his career, and he hit six tonight. You know, like that, mm-hmm. that sets up for one of those types of games. And so um, you might want to avoid that altogether. So I, I think KU hey, should want to play Illinois, but I think whoever they play in that game, provided they get to it, is is going to put up a fight that, that is worthy of making people nervous.
2: You mentioned pressure. I'm just curious about that. Kansas being the defending national champs, is there extra pressure on them, or is there maybe even maybe less pressure on them because are the other defending champs? I guess, I don't know, how do, how do you view that? How do you think Kansas could potentially handle that?
1: Yeah, I believe it's less, and, and you know that's just one man's opinion. I don't know that that's necessarily right, or that everyone one would agree. But um, in in our special section, our tournament section that we do every year before the tournament starts, um, which is out today, it was in today's paper. Um, we, uh, you know, there's there's a section in there five reasons Kansas can win it all. We do the same article every year, but it's different every year. And this year it was five reasons Kansas can repeat as national champs. And that was one of the reasons I think the pressure's off. I think the fact that you got it done last year, there's still some joy. There's still some, you know, Hey, we're not, we're not out there trying to put Kansas back on top anymore. You know, these players can, can take that approach. It's not, boy, we really think Kansas is the best program, but everybody else is sleeping on us and we've got to do this. We've got to go make a run. We've got the burden on our shoulders to prove that we're still the best program in all of college basketball, yada, yada, yada. These guys don't have that. I mean, they, they want to keep them there and they do want to win and there is pressure to, to win any time you're at Kansas, but I don't think it's the same type of pressure. So I, I think, I think they let it fly. I think they go loose. I think they say, you know, Hey, we won the title last year. If we win it again, that's gravy. Love it. That'd be awesome. But if we don't, we still won it last year. No one's taking that. So, um, you know, part of that's coaching, part of that's maturity, part of that's, veterans and leadership and all that stuff and how those guys approach it. But but that's how I would approach it.
0: Certainly, there is a lot of questions about the status of both Kevin McCuller and, and Bill Self, which an opportunity to hear from <laughs> Bill Self tomorrow as, as well as the players. I'm sure that'll kind of clear things up. So I don't want to, I guess, make you have to predict something and then all of a sudden tomorrow something like that happens. But um, obviously from a health status, like I, I don't mean it that way. Like obviously there are more important things there with Bill Self. But just in terms of, uh, which is more worrisome, do you think, for the NCAA tournament, the basketball portion of it? Uh, which of those two do you think that is for you?
1: Oh, McCullough, for sure. Um, and, and look, like that's not a knock on itself at all, but um, you know, you got to have five guys on the floor, and, and McCuller is, without question, one of KU's five best players, one of KU's three or four best players, um, and the options after him on the bench aren't anywhere near what he brings. So um, that's not to say those guys couldn't rise to the occasion and, and, and bring one of their best games of their careers or whatever, you know, the, the Bobby Pettifords, uh Joe Yosefus, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think you want to count on that. And I think um, that puts you in a whole, a whole, a whole different spot, a tougher spot for sure. So I, I think that, that, you know, you, you want them both. If you're KU, you obviously want your, your leader coaching and you want your, you know one of your best players playing um but if you had to pick one or the other i don't i don't think there's any question that you would say okay coach go ahead and watch this one in the hotel and we'll take kevin and we'll bring back a win for you and see if you can't be out there saturday um but you know we'll see they're, they're supposed to arrive actually here in i don't know an hour and a half or so um and so normally we we go over there and do something with them when they get to the team hotel and, and, uh, check all that out and see, you know, the first thoughts how the bus ride was all those really, really important questions that, that, uh, you know, what do you think of Des Moines this time of year? There's snow (laughs) on the ground. Did you expect that? You know, the real hard hitting journalistic questions that they get asked at those, but this one will be important. I mean, it'll be, you know, Hey, number one, is it coach self that's talking to us or is it norm or a player? Um, that'll be telling. And number two, it'll be, whoever's talking to us those questions that they're asked will be how's coach self how's kevin mcculler and you know we'll get we'll get you know minimal information i'm sure um you know it's probably going to continue to sound a lot like it has the last few days doing good getting better those things and and as long as you don't hear the other you know which which would be bad news and a setback and all that stuff then then you take that as as a positive thing and you move forward to tomorrow when we actually get yeah full on media availability at the arena and interviews and all that stuff. So um, we could have some interesting information as soon as tonight. So, I mean, just because um, Bill Self's a superstitious dude and, and he's, he's done this media arrival thing at the hotel every year that I've covered it and probably longer than that. And probably for as long as he's done it. And uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if, if he's not able to talk and feeling well and, and all that stuff, I'd be shocked if he doesn't continue it because it's obviously worked pretty well. He's had a good track record in March, even if there are still those people that like to point to his Elite Eight games and say, well, he sucks. They're wrong, but they still say it.
0: We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World. You'll be able to check out all that coverage that Matt was just talking about with the team arriving. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at MC Tate or uh, with KU Sports. Is there a player? Because something we were talking about in the open is the idea of because this team, like we know, teams with, with deep benches, that, that's not a necessity to win a title. A lot of times it's the teams with the shorter benches. Like look at last year, they pretty much were consistently only playing seven guys that then end up making it through. And with the longer TV timeouts, everything's okay there for this team. But I, I think what I've kind of chronicled over the last few months to me, it's not as much about do you have a bunch of depth, it's that. Do you at least have like one or two guys who can come off the bench and play well in the case that one of your starters is not? So like for instance, I think Ochai only had like 4 points in the game against Providence last year in the Sweet 16, but Remy Martin comes off the bench and scores 20. I think there was a game in there in the tournament run where David McCormick had single digits, but Mitch Lightfoot could come in and hit a couple hook shots for you. Where at the very least even though it wasn't a deep bench, they could kind of complement what your starters did. And, and to this point, we haven't really seen the bench be that, but also um, I think that just means there's more pressure on the starters to where we've kind of gotten to a point where we've said, for this team to do well, at least four of the five starters have to play well that specific game unless somebody from the bench comes in, then maybe it can be three of five starters. So to that notion, which of the starters, and this can be one person, you can name a couple names if you'd like, do you feel most confident in that they're going to be consistently good each and every night versus what is another one of the starters that maybe you're, you're worried that there could be, you know, maybe it's two good games, but maybe it's if, if they play three games, like there is a worry for inconsistency there.
1: Um good question. That's that's a that's a tough one to answer, but I, I will take a stab at it. I like it. It's a good way to think about this team because that's that's kind of it really encapsulates what they are. Um so I, I think um, gosh, you know, I, I think to be honest with you, I think the one I'd be worried about would be Jalen Wilson. And that's gonna sound weird to a lot of people I'm sure because he's such a freaking gamer and he's been so good all year and he's been um i mean he's just been their rock he's been you know they led the big 12 in scoring and rebounding and all that but my my, the reason i think you could be concerned is what happens if one of his bad games is now and I think what that does to the rest of the team, you know, we saw him score two points against Texas and they won pretty easily. Um, we've seen him score 38 points and they lost, you know, so I get that. I mean, it's, it's, it's not all on him, but I think that this time of year, when everything's on line, you do try to go to your guy and, and you're right about Ochi last year, but he had some dudes around him. And that's not to say that the Jalen doesn't, but the, the list of dudes is, is shorter uh i think right now and and especially proven dudes and so um so i think you have to be a little bit worried and you you if you're kansas and you expect to make a run and you want to make a run i i think you need him to be 20 plus probably every game and and that's hard to do he's already done it i think five in a row um so you know he'd have to finish with if they if they want to make it to the title game he'd have to finish with 11 games in a row to end his career over 20 points that's That's a lot, but that's also what All-Americans do, and he's an All-American, and he's going up in the rafters someday, Big 12 Player of the Year. So it's not too much for him. It's just, I think, from a fan perspective, you probably do worry about that. Um, So he might be the answer as far as a worry angle there. Uh, I think DeWan's going to be your most consistent guy. I think that's your rock. I think that's – he played so poorly against Texas, and he did it because – Number one, it was Texas. Number two, they were without McCuller. Number three, it just was one of those nights. It was just, you know, it's, it, things don't click when you don't have your squad. And and he he got exposed and didn't look good as a result. I think that'll stick with him. And he's so good consistently anyway that that I think that he understands his role, his importance, and and I think he'll be locked in and ready to to bring to bring what he can um, night in, night out, and and be an aggressive score and and look to put up points, but also, you know, fill the stat with stats and, and, and steals and assists and even blocks and whatever he can do. So um, those are the two answers there. Do I still need to give you two bench guys?
0: No, 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 no. I was, I was just generally okay. asking like basically which guys, yeah, you, you feel are going to be the most consistent and inconsistent over the course of what could, you know, be a, a four, five, six game journey if, if they do go on a long run. Uh, so I guess uh, last thing here, uh, I don't know if you filled out a bracket, but do you have any any favorite Cinderella picks or, or any final four picks or, or anything that you'd like to share?
1: Um, sure, they're always wrong, so why not share them? <laughs> um, I, I did fill out a bracket. I always do the first glance thing and don't think too much about it and I like doing it that way. Um, I think it's a lot of fun to just pick with your gut. Maybe you read a little bit, maybe you tweak it a little bit and and you know but it ends up being it, it really does end up being quite Quite often, what I started with. Maybe oh wait, how about three, how about three, this four. instead?
0: How about this in, instead? Since since you don't want to, yeah. I, I don't know because yeah, it, it does suck when when you get it out there and you're wrong. So how about this? T- take me through the Matt Tate process. Are you a are you a written bracket guy? Are you a uh, do it somewhere online uh, do you go from you know top left region to top right do you go all the way through the left do you go one route at a time do you take me through the process what is, what is your process for doing the bracket the proper way
1: i love that and i man i'm a i'm absolutely a, a write it out guy but i haven't been that guy in a few years and that sucks and that's probably because i'm so busy this time of year and it's, but, man, when I when I was a kid, it was poster board, draw it out with the ruler, you know, make it really look nice, even try to recreate the logo of that year's Final Four mm. with what little artistic ability I had. <laughs> then you fill it in as the brackets coming out, and then you fill it out. And that was fun. I may even still have those somewhere. Um, I would love to see, like, a, a from,
0: montage of all of them.
1: Yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll look at And compare
0: them it them to the actual Final Four like logos.
1: That. Right, right, exactly. So... Um, but yeah, now these days I do it, I do it at our online bracket. If I'm invited to any others, I usually try to get in there, but I try to keep it to just one, to be honest. I don't, I don't like spreading it too thin and I don't like recreating the same bracket a bunch of different places. So we have a contest at KU sports.com that's been pretty popular over the years and i think you know people like to compare their fix to mine and make fun of me and tell me how bad i am and i'm used to that because usually i am bad and and that's okay um but it's great and it's easy and it's free and people can jump on there i think our sponsor for that is truity credit union and we appreciate that of course so it's online right now the bracket challenge kusports.com backslash bracket challenge if you want to jump in there Feel free. I will tell you. I do. I do go down the left side, and I and then I finish the left side, and then I jump over to the right side. So, um, and I will. I'll tell you my final four. I have no problem with it, man. I okay. think it's. Uh, I think it's. I. I, I you know. It's, I like it. It's not. It's not super original or anything crazy, but um, I have Alabama beating Creighton, and so Creighton's a little bit of a sleeper. Yeah. Kind of pick there to get to the Elite Eight. I, I like that team a lot. I got them beating Baylor and then beating Arizona. That's a hell of a run. Um, so I got Bama there. I have Marquette in the East. Uh, I have Duke beating Purdue and then Marquette beating Duke. So I think Duke gets all high and mighty. They're playing really well. I think they take down Purdue. They have the bodies to do that. Um, and then I think they feel really good about themselves and they're like, oh, we're in. And then Marquette with their number one ranked <laughs> offense comes in and crushes them and Shaka gets through, uh, which would be crazy. So, um, that's Bama and Marquette. It was impossible for me to keep Texas out of the Final Four um, just because we've seen them, and I think they may be the best total team in the entire country. Uh, Kansas fans and Kansas itself would probably have a hard time to argue with that one right now. Um, so let's see, no real surprises there. One, two, three, five in that, in that region with Texas beating Houston. Um, and then in the West, the bottom right, which is the last one I do. I didn't just do it because of the drama of Kansas. I have one, two, three, four there. Kansas UConn in the sweet 16, Gonzaga UCLA in the sweet 16. KU beats UConn, UCLA beats Gonzaga, UCLA beats Kansas. So UCLA, Texas, Alabama Marquette. Um, And then my final game is Alabama UCLA with the Bruins winning and I would have felt really, really good about that two weeks ago before Jalen Clark got injured. Um, I'm a little nervous about that pick because he's out. I mean, that's essentially like losing um, losing Marcus Garrett from the 2019-20 team. I don't think Clark's quite as good defensively as Garrett, but he's their best defensive player. And then third leading scorer. It was probably close to that on that 1920 team, mm-hmm. so um, you know that'd be the equivalent of what they're losing. But they still have some really veteran players, and I think Mick Cronin's a great coach. And so, um, for whatever it's worth, that's my that's my national champion as of today. I love the way UCLA plays defense, and uh, you know they've been really hot and they've had a great year. So it's a tough one, though. I mean, again, Kansas to the Elite, elite Eight. That's man, they would have to be pretty happy with that. And if you get to that game, you got a shot. And if you, if you can find a way, then you're in the mix. So, um, I don't think it's crazy to think that Kansas could get through. I don't think it's crazy to think that they could be a final four or even a title team, but it is really hard to repeat. It is really hard to go to -to back-to-back final fours. Teams don't often do it. And, um, you know there's a reason for that so I, I think I think the, the draw could be a really beneficial thing for KU I think they are they are so locked in because of how hard that region is and because of the slights that they feel about not getting put in the Midwest I think I wrote a column about that today I mean I'll, I think all of those things could could wind up being the thing that helps propel Kansas to a memorable run because if you think about it whether it's Phil self or Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris those three especially, absolutely thrive when they're counted out or when they're told they're not this, or they're told they're not that. And they have throughout their careers and, and they just got told they weren't as good as Houston at the very least. Right. And, and then they're being told, well, you're not going to get out of that stack region, just like they were last year when everyone picked Iowa to beat them and it didn't happen. And uh, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking for that silver lining from how hard that bracket is, there it is. This, this team probably, takes a little juice from that, and uh, so we'll see, but it starts Thursday, and uh, it should be it should be a fun thing to see it play out, because I guarantee these dudes in the locker room right now, or the bus, or wherever they are, I guarantee they think they're going to win it all, and sometimes that's all that matters.
0: He is Matt Tate. You can check out all his work in the LJ world, KUSports.com, at MC Tate on Twitter. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Have fun in Des Moines.
1: Yes, sir. I'll bring home a snowball for you, Perfect. if you'd like. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Enjoy the enjoy the greatest week of the season. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon.
0: Absolutely. That's Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KuSports With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. We are out early today at 5 30. Westwood One coverage of the NCAA tournament first four here on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST. Of course, you can check out anything you miss on the Best of RCST podcast. I had a fun conversation with Matt Tate earlier today. Went over uh, some positives and negatives for KU, including kind of poking holes in all the other teams that are in their region. So you can uh, certainly check that out in the podcast after the show. Uh, we're going to finish things up here on this edition of the show with an NCAA superlative segment. We, you, want some, you want some music for this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we, we've got a bunch of different topics, a bunch of different kind of like headlines or, or tags that you could put on different teams. And we're, we're going to each basically say who we think they are. Now, uh, obviously, disclaimer here that. I would imagine, you know, the the person who is just going to pick their bracket based on colors and like I I, I uh, had my dog complete half of her bracket last night. She'll be finishing her other path or uh, side of it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'll share that on tomorrow's show. That will probably do better than me. So you know, take this with a grain of salt. But let's go through this. First off, number one, top category here. Who's your favorite Cinderella? Okay.
2: How are we defining Cinderella? Is it? Like I think it's vague. You double, define it how you want to. Make that- your
0: case for why. I don't think it has to be double digits. Okay. I think, though, like... I... What? I, I think there's a clear... It's it's one of those things where it's like you know it when you see it. For instance, if you pick a six seed to make the Sweet 16, that's not a Cinderella. But if a six seed makes, like, the Elite Eight or Final Four, that might be a Cinderella, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So my my pick is going to be Texas A&M because I think Texas A&M okay. could make a deep run. Even though they're a seven seed, I think they're yeah, I mean, a team if a seven that could in the make Final a deep four, like Yeah, they're kind of a Cinderella, yes. right? Yes, I think
2: they could make a deep run. Yeah, that's my now, I know
0: some people would say that Cinderella, for them, has, has to be to like be a double a, digit. Well, I don't think it necessarily has to be a double digit. I think for them it has to be a non-min major. Or, I mean, a, a non-power, non-power five. Power five. That has to be a mid major. Okay. Do you have a favorite mid major? My
2: non-power five would probably be Drake or Oral
0: Roberts. Okay. I would go 12-12. with one of those two. Yeah. So, I, I actually do have Drake. Drake is my favorite Cinderella here. Um, as I look up and down, like, I don't know. I guess Utah State is sort of interesting to me as a 10 seed. Um, but but is Utah one State going to get past Arizona? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the one that I keep coming back to... I, I would have loved Oral Roberts, but I don't love getting a draw against Duke. I don't think that's yeah. great for them. Yeah, with Charleston, I don't love a draw against San Diego State. I sort of like Furman, but I I think that Drake is the one for me. I look up and down their their kind of numbers and what makes them a good team. and they remind me a little bit of the Loyola Chicago team from 2018. They're really good on the defensive side of the ball. And they're not like the most efficient offense overall. But the one thing that Loyola Chicago did really well offensively is they just shot well. They shot well from two. They shoot well from three. They shoot well from the free throw line. Drake is not one of like, they're 98th in offensive efficiency. So you'd be like, eh, they're not that good of an offense. But when you look at the actual profile, they're just a really bad offensive rebounding team. And they don't get to the free throw line a ton. But I think the offensive rebounding thing is to send back numbers defensively because they played a slower tempo there. They're 46th in the country in three-point percentage at about 37%. And during the course of conference play for them, that number has gone up to 38%. They're 95th in the country in two-point rate. They're 20th in the country in free-throw percentage. They don't turn the ball over. So actually, like, their offense is better than it would seem. Defensively, they're the number three defensive rebounding team in the country. They defend the three-point line well. They defend two-point shots well. They have the makings of me of being a a possible tournament darling. Miami, their big man is hurt. I think he's questionable for the first-round matchup. And also, Miami just stinks. I also kind of have a theory that teams who go on runs as lower seeds a year before the next year when they get higher seeds, they're like, do to lose early as uh, like a counteraction okay, to yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yep. it's like That's Miami made it as yep. a, a 10 seed yep. Um, yep. and then I have vice versa where it's like teams when they're high seeds and then the next year they're anyway so I think Drake gets by that. I think there's a chance Kent State could beat Indiana. So I, I think Drake could make a Sweet 16. And what happens if Marcus Sasser is still hurt for Houston? Could they upset Houston? I don't know. Sure, why not? Mm. I like Drake. I like Drake. Okay. Uh, obviously, you know my answer here, so I'll just pick a different one just to be different. But do you have a favorite okay. 12 over five? That's that's everyone's favorite upset pick.
2: Yeah, I like uh, I like VCU. I like VCU a lot. I like VCU. They they're on a, a double-digit win streak right now. They won nine or ten games in a row. Haven't lost since early in February. They won their conference tournament, obviously, over Dayton. I I like VCU. They've got a really, really good defensive team. They're playing uh, another team that's really good defensively against St. Mary's. So if you just hit some shots against a team like St. Mary's, you can win that game. So I I like VCU. I like VCU. Uh, You talked about Drake, obviously. I think Drake is a pretty common pick also because they've got maybe the most favorable five-seed matchup with Miami. And Oral Roberts looks maybe would be more trendy if they weren't playing Duke. So I will go with VCU. I like VCU. They've got a good defense, and they hit some shots against St. Mary's, and they win that game.
0: So I I like – obviously, Drake is, is my go-to there. I don't love the I, – I like Charleston as a team. I think they're pretty good, but I think it's a bad matchup. San Diego State can just stifle you defensively. I don't love that for them. Oral Roberts, in theory, like you said, would be a great 12 seed, but – yeah, I think I, just, I think literally I everyone Duke. and their mom would be over. Yeah, on or Oral Roberts, playing any if the playing, seeds, If they were playing any, any of, of the other, other five seeds, seeds. heck, yeah. I think if they were playing any of the four seeds, could be. Yeah, they'd be picking them, right? Yeah, maybe not UConn, but like uh, all the other ones for sure. So I, I think it is VCU for me. I think I think if you're talking about sustainability, if you're talking which twelve seed has the best chance to make a Sweet Sixteen, and I can't take Drake, I would take Oral Roberts because I do think if they get by Duke, they'll get by the winner of. The the second game, and then second would be Charleston. I think VCU has probably the worst of those chances to make the Sweet 16, but I do think VCU has the best chance of beating their first round matchup. So yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you there over St. Mary's. That yeah. maybe they can speed them up and, and force some uh, turnover issues for a team that likes to play a little bit slower. Do you have a favorite 13 through 16 seed? Somebody who can really cause some chaos.
2: Yeah, I I was looking through. I I like Kennesaw actually. I think, I, like I think that one, Kennesaw actually. against Xavier is an interesting matchup. And I also think that Kennesaw may get the first. They get the buff of this is their first time in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's almost like you're like you're naive. You know what I mean? Like you've never experienced a loss, so you're just like you're just playing on cloud nine. You're just crazy. You're just like, dude, we're in the NCAA tournament. Like whatever, right? Like so, I'm I kind of like Kennesaw. I kind of like Kennesaw. And they had, they had a tough road through their conference. They had a tight win against uh, I think Liberty was in their conference tournament. Liberty's uh, that, a good team, that too. That put them yeah. in the NCAA tournament. So I like Kennesaw as in their first ever NCAA tournament, maybe upsetting Xavier.
0: I kind of like that one, too. Sometimes you look at the, the bracket and you're like, which team is probably overseeded? You know what I mean? Like Could be Xavier. Xavier earned the, the three. The metrics
2: seed. like Xavier, but they do. They, they, but they
0: like them better as a four or five. They haven't really been right? that impressive. So I I actually like that one. Uh, I would also like, kind of, can't say, I, I think the 12, 13, 14 in this region are, are definitely very dangerous. I think Louisiana could beat Tennessee but I I don't know for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, without
2: Ziegler that one could be yeah. interesting.
0: Um but the problem is Louisiana's best player is a big man and Tennessee still has those like litany of 7 footers down low. You don't, you don't like any of the point. you don't like any of the 15s? I actually I I think that UNC Asheville and can make it interesting with UCLA and I think that uh Vermont can make it interesting with um uh, You know who Marquette? deserves to get a tournament win?
2: Who? Vermont they're in the tournament every a, well. year. Every they have, year a, in the they have a guy, I forget and the guy's they've, name. They've come pretty close to winning a couple times as like a 13, 14 seed. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever have.
0: Yeah, and Marquette feels like, uh, we'll get to this next category, but the team that's riding high, like then all of a sudden just something weird happens. That wouldn't surprise me um, with a Shaka Smart Coach team. But Vermont has a kid on their uh, team. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, that's what it is. It is Finn Sullivan. That is the most Irish name of all time. They're playing (laughs) on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah, right? Okay. The power of St. Patrick the Power of the in Irish. Finn Sullivan in Vermont. The luck of the Irish. So, anyway, I'll, I'll probably be taking Vermont, like with the spread or something, but I'm, I'm taking Marquette to my Elite <laughs> Eight. Anyway, um, I I like Furman. I like Furman. I don't love this Virginia team. I don't love their offense. I think Furman can shoot the ball, spread you out a little bit. And then I think Furman, like, it wouldn't be crazy if they beat San Diego State or Charleston in the second round, too. So Furman's my favorite 13-16. to Do you have a bracket buster? We we discussed this the other week. There's a difference between Cinderella and bracket buster. Bracket buster is a team that can mess up people's brackets. Who is your favorite there? Yeah, so, okay.
2: We talked about Earl Roberts. I think you could consider Oral Roberts a bracket buster because I think a lot of people are picking Duke to make deep runs. Mm -hmm. So if Oral Roberts were to upset Duke in the first round, I think that would bust a lot of people's brackets because I'm starting to see more and more people who are saying Duke to the Elite Eight, Duke to the Final Four potentially. And then the other one that I'm interested in is West Virginia over Alabama. I think West Virginia might have a chance in that game potentially. And if that happens, a lot of people have Bama going pretty deep in the tournament right now. So I look at West Virginia as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Oral Roberts is kind of a tough one because it's like, I think, it, would it be really a bracket buster? I think it would just because I'm starting to see more and more people who are picking Duke to make a deep run. And to me, that's what defines a bracket buster is uh, a team that's going to beat another team that people have making yeah. a deep run.
0: I was tempted to, if West Virginia would have been the eight or nine for Purdue, I was probably going to take them over them. Uh, I I, I, don't, I don't mind that Bama thing. So I, I think Creighton or TCU have it as six seeds. My only thing is, I don't know how... How many people do you think are taking like Baylor to the Final Fours? I don't three think very many people. Maybe not Baylor that much, no. but I think they could beat Arizona too, and I, mean, I think a good I, amount I have think, Arizona.
2: I think Iona would be another good selection for yeah. a possible bracket buster. Oh, yeah, I think a lot, lot, of lot of people have, people have UConn, UConn yeah. going to at least a Sweet Sixteen.
0: You know, I I think TCU is a good one though because I bet you a lot of people have Gonzaga because they see they're hot lately. They see the number one offense. They see Drew Timmy final season. I bet you a good amount of people have Gonzaga. I think TCU could be a bracket buster, and then if you look further, I mean, if we want to get more in the weeds, I think. Uh, Northwestern and Texas A&M as seven seeds have real potential to upset their two seeds if they make it through. I think both Northwestern or A&M could lose in the first round, but they could be bracket busters because I'm sure a lot of people have Texas or UCLA going far. So those would be the yep. ones I'd point out. Yeah. Uh who is the one seed in the most first weekend danger because you would assume one of the one seeds is going to lose in the first weekend. Why would you assume that? It just like happens every year. It doesn't year. happen at every least year. one of them in most years though. It does not happen every year. No, it does not happen every year, but most years, most years it does. Like, last year, I think there was, what, one that lost every round? You had one or two lose in the first round. No, you had one... Yeah, one lose in the second round. Not the first round, sorry. First weekend. Yeah. One lost in the second round, two lost in the Sweet 16, and then the other one won the title. Um, I just feel like typically there's one year, or, or one that's going to lose in the, the first weekend. Okay. I, I don't know. Not always, but it's, it's a good amount of time. I, I think it might be Purdue.
2: I think Memphis... Coming off that win against Houston in the in the American Conference Championship, maybe that pushes them through potentially in a matchup against Purdue. Obviously, Purdue is difficult because of Zach Eadie. But, I mean, listen, all it takes is Zach Eadie getting into foul trouble in one yeah. game, and Purdue is suddenly very vulnerable. Yep. And so also, we I, saw them
0: do really bad against... When teams pressured them, yeah. The so tournament. and
2: yeah. So I I kind of think it might be Purdue if if Memphis wins if Florida Atlantic beats Memphis I think maybe it's not Purdue but if it, if the if the second round matchup is Purdue versus Memphis maybe I would keep an eye closer on that one.
0: Yeah. So I I agree with you there. I think I'm gonna put Kansas here though just because I think I mean Illinois yeah. beat them in the secret scrimmage. Arkansas is a very talented. Oh team. yeah, the not so secret secret scrimmage that happened right. five months ago. But yeah, I think I think the answer has to be Kansas or Purdue. Uh, on here. Yeah,
2: I did see a stat that said that in a matchup between Kansas and Arkansas, uh, the spread in that game would be the lowest of a one versus eight ever, ever. Yeah, that's a I think scary. Uh, I think Ken Palm has it as like a, maybe a three, three and a half point game, and that's Yeesh. that's the lowest it's ever been. Right. A spread of the one, eight well, one versus eight or nine.
0: Kansas is the answer. Uh, two seed in the most first weekend danger.
2: Probably Marquette. But also maybe UCLA with uh, the yeah, UCLA's dealing is the with. injury stuff. Yeah, UCLA's injury stuff. Yeah. So, but I think it's probably Marquette. Uh, I mean, Michigan State. It's just like, it, this would just be classic Tom Izzo. Like they're not very good, but they just somehow win whatever because they're <laughs> Michigan State. And then everyone's like, "Oh,
0: Tom Izzo, such a great coach!" Oh. Well, okay. So, so to your point, I, I don't know. We talked I, about Marquette. Vermont and Marquette. Would it not be the most Tom izzo Michigan State thing ever if they beat USC and Vermont upsets Vermont Marquette ranks, and then yeah. Michigan State makes the And then, Sweet then everyone 16, thinks right? Tom izzo
2: is a great coach. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so I, I will put Marquette on there because I think Vermont could be uh, a little scary, I guess, of a fifteen. And then yeah, I guess you never know with with Michigan State. So that would be the one for me. Um, plus Marquette's defense. It's gotten a lot better over the course of the season, but it's outside the top forty, so you never know what can happen there. Uh top four seed. That you are most convinced loses in the first round. So it could be any top four seed. Uh, one, two, three, four. Whatever. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought
2: you were saying just four. Well, I picked
0: the four okay. because... I know, thought you were saying just no, four. No, just any top four seed that you're okay, most convinced. Any top four yeah. seed.
2: Okay. Uh, I, I originally picked Virginia, and I think I'll stick by that mm-hmm.
0: because... I like that one, too. I like Yeah, German. I just
2: don't think that... Uh, I mean, they just... Does, is there anything well, about, about a team is there anything who, about Virginia that inspires confidence in you?
0: Yeah, well, speaking about a team that's probably overseeded to what they actually are because of what they've earned. Virginia is thirty fourth on Ken Palm. They are the seventy fourth best offense. That would be more in line with an eight or a nine seed. They're a four seed. Yeah, yeah. They've so not I been like, playing well lately.
2: I think Virginia. Uh, yeah, Virginia. Like or, maybe, or maybe
0: Indiana against Kent State. Okay, I'm gonna go with Tennessee because if I I don't know I mean, man they've been in a free fall. They have honestly, I don't know. I probably will go Virginia just because I, I'm so confident in Furman. But Tennessee's been in the free fall. If you for sure ask it about which four seed you're convinced doesn't make it out of the first weekend, it's 100% Tennessee for me. Because even if they do scave by Louisiana, which I'm not they're sure not about, Duke. no way they beat Duke. And I don't even think they beat Oral Roberts either. <laughs> so they're they're the one I feel. But yeah, for first round, I guess I would probably lean uh, Virginia there. Um, if I'm going with a three seed, honestly, the one that. I feel like he's going to lose. Xavier the earliest is either Xavier or Baylor, which are both kind of similar teams. Good offense, yeah, can't I play defense.
2: I mean, I'll be honest; I don't know anything about UC Santa Barbara, so I don't know what the chances they have of maybe upsetting Baylor. But yeah, I look at Baylor's not making out of the first weekend. Also,
0: is there a team that you're that you're convinced will either lose in the first round or make a final four? Well, we just talked about them. I think it could be Baylor. Yeah, I mean,
2: we listen. We know that Baylor has excellent guards and oh, guard play wins in March. But their defense is just so so <laughs> bad. Like terrible. Mm-hmm. Awful. Horrible. Despicable. Disgusting. Trash. Gross. Trash. <laughs> so yeah. I think they could I think if their guards are good if their guards strewn together a good enough run, they could go to the final four. Or they could lose in the first round
0: if they if their defense just is as bad as it has been all season. So I'll go Baylor. For me, it's Duke because they have that incredibly hard first-round matchup with Oral Roberts. But I think if they win that, i definitely like them to beat either Tennessee or Louisiana. I think they can beat Purdue for sure. I think they're one of the teams that can – you don't have seven, four, but you have a couple 7-footers in there, and you have a bunch of size, crash the rebounds, and you have better guards to apply pressure that I think they could beat Purdue. And then uh, I, I look at the bottom half of the bracket, and I think absolutely they could beat any of these teams there. So Duke is kind of the one for me um, that I would put there as uh, – you could convince me it goes one of two ways. Uh, the hardest region, it's its obviously the West, so we don't need to spend any more time on that. Uh, <laughs> conference tournament, th- this happens every year. My, my favorite example is the 2019 tournament. Okay. Auburn was the five seed. Iowa State was the six seed. They were in the same region. Both were in the Midwest. It was in KU's region. Okay. Auburn had just won the SEC tournament. Okay. Iowa State had just won the Big 12 tournament. They big are 10. one seed apart. Oh, Iowa State, yeah. Yeah. Iowa State lost in the first round. Auburn made the Final Four every year there is teams that win their conference tournament in in one of the like high power six whatever leagues that fizzles out in the NCAA tournament every year though there's also like a conference tournament winner that captures that momentum and they take it on to a national title you could actually classify Kansas as part of that group last year who is a conference tournament champ from one of the high leagues it can be power five it can be big east if if you want to take like a conference that's a, a high mid major I'd be fine with that too like if you want to even include like Gonzaga, I'd be fine with that. Um, that you think is most likely to lose early could be Gonzaga against TCU. Yeah, could that be Marquette. Would,
2: would pick that one, Marquette potentially. Yeah, I mean Memphis is kind of an easy one because they're playing; they're an eight seed, so they're gonna have to play Purdue, right? But like, I think Memphis could also be on the flip side of. They capture that energy, and they yep.
0: beat Purdue, and oh, they're going to yeah. be Sweet 16. So I actually, okay, because the follow-up to this one is the conference tournament champ most likely to keep up that momentum. Oh, yeah. I think Duke and Memphis, I think one of those two schools for me is going to make the Elite Eight, and the other one is going to lose in like the first round. And I can't decide which one is which in this category, but I think one of those is one of them, and the other one is the other. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but Analysis. I think you could make
0: a case for Marquette. Analysis. I guess you could make a case for UCLA because of the injuries. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Okay, last one that we have here. Kemba candidate. So what a Kemba candidate is. Kemba Walker. He uh, led UConn to the national title. They were a three seed. He was unbelievable over the course of the tournament. And he's just kind of an individual player. It can be a guard. It can be a a big man. Um, I kind of leaned toward the guards on this just because of the march. But give me one from each region. So it has to be a three seed or higher. You know, because if if we're doing ones or two seeds, like clearly I could pick uh, Zach Eady, Jalen Wilson, yeah, or I could Miller, pick Tyler Marcus Kolek Sasser. for Marquette. Like he would be Tyler the Kolek. clear one that I would pick. Or yeah, Marcus Carr, Texas, whatever. But three seed or higher, who would you pick for each of the regions?
2: Okay, in the Midwest, I'm going to go kind of crazy. I'm going to say Jalen Pickett from Penn State. Okay, I like that. Really good player, transfer could potentially. From just go yeah. crazy. That's that's the Midwest.
0: I guess I'll just do mine. My Midwest one. Um, I guess I honestly didn't have, like, one that I overly loved. That's why I picked Pickett. Yeah, so I, I'm going to honestly—I I don't know. I guess I'll take uh, <laughs> I mean, Nigel you take, Pack from you Miami. I Jackson think they're going to ta- lose in the first round, take, but he has
2: that potential. You could take Chase Jackson Davis, I guess, from Indiana. I, I guess uh, the kid
0: for Drake that's really good, uh, the yeah, DeVries kid. I'll just DeVry's. take him. Sure. All right. Uh, okay. Let's do the South, I guess. All right. In the South, I— Again, I didn't love any You can any argue for any of the Baylor guards, I mean, honestly. yeah,
2: Flagler. You could pick Kalkbrenner from Creighton.
0: I'm going to actually take Baylor Shireman from Creighton. I think okay. Kalkbrenner's their best player, but if you're looking at somebody to get hot and kind of carry them offensively, I think it would be Baylor Shireman. And he has the okay. tournament experience from last year after they uh, lost to Providence. Okay. Uh, East. All right, East, you could go with uh, Max Acemus
2: from Oral Roberts, potentially, yeah. to make a run. You could also pick Philipowski from yep. Duke. Obviously, you have Oscar. Also, you know, I mean, what if Oscar just talent? In what one. if just what if Oscar just averages twenty five and fourteen?
0: He could. I mean, My problem though there is that he can be such a liability if they get the wrong matchup, which I think they have because they're terrible at defending pick and rolls. And guess what Kansas State does over and over again with Marquise Noel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: but I'm not going to pick K State.
0: Well, I'm actually going to take Marquise Noel. He has that staying <laughs> power that he could kind of carry his team for a little bit of time. Okay. Okay. Last one. Oh, I, I will also throw out there Kendrick Davis from Memphis. He was unbelievable against Houston in the AC tournament. He could just get really hot here and, and lead him on a run. Last one would be the West. Out of the West, I like Mike
2: Miles from TCU yeah. if they're gonna make a run, especially with no uh with no Lampkin now. You could look at Timmy, obviously, if he just becomes dominant. But if he's...
0: Arkansas is to do what some people think they can, Anthony Black or Nick Smith would be there. Yep. I think uh, the Mahaney kid from St. Mary's could certainly be there. But yeah, Mike Miles is the one for me. Arkansas going to lose to Illinois. Okay. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. It would be kind of reminiscent last year. Everybody was like, oh no, San Diego State, great defense, could cause KU problems, and then Creighton beat them. So wouldn't be shocking. <laughs> This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and that'll do it for today's show. Westwood One coverage will come at you next with the uh, first four happening for you. Uh, If you missed anything, check it out on the Best of RCST podcast. See you tomorrow from 3 to 5.30 here on KLWN, depending on it.
2: Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app.